This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast. This is the first ever mailbag edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast, and it's brought to you by a caller by the name of Scott in Jamesburg, who a few months ago called up, I think on a Saturday, and said, Hey, Evan, ba ba ba, how are you? Long time, first time. I have a request for the podcast. And I said, sure, why the hell not? I try to do one at least once a week. Eventually, I'm going to run out of ideas. Give me something. So he said, how about a mailbag where you just answer any and all questions? Not an original idea, I know. But I said to Scott, I said, that's perfect because sometime during the summer, I'm going to want to be really lazy. And I'm just going to want to sit there and do a podcast that's really easy. And that's easy. I go on Twitter. I say, ask me questions. And then I answer them. And what I also liked about it, and thanks again to Scott and Jamesburg. And so we'll label this podcast, the Scott in Jamesburg presents mailbag on the Evan Roberts podcast. But what I really liked about it was a couple of years ago on Twitter, and I used to be better at Twitter, I'll admit, I used to be more interactive. I'm I'm still somewhat interactive, but not as good as I used to be. And I apologize for that. My excuse is that I guess I have more things to do in life. I, I guess, <laughs> That's really what it came down to, I think. But one day on Twitter, I said, hey, I will legitimately answer every question asked of me, and I will tweet back. Seemed like a really good idea. And people said, well, that's going to be tough. You're going to get a lot of questions. How are you going to answer all of them? And I said, that's fine. I got nothing to do. I have no life. Let's go. And so we started it, and within a minute and a half, I had my Twitter account suspended because apparently there is some kind of rule. And this was years ago. So this isn't something new. Years ago, you can't tweet a certain amount of times in such a short period of time. So I never got to complete the mission. Now, here are the rules. I can't guarantee I'm going to answer every question because God knows how many questions I'm going to get. And I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I mean, I may only get seven questions. What the hell do I know? I'm just a guy. I don't know. But I can't sit here and promise it. I also have not read any of the questions. So it's all going to be completely fresh. Now, you may say, well, that's you being lazy and not wanting to prepare. While I admitted laziness is a part of this podcast idea, I also like the freshness of it. I don't want to have to think about it too much. So let them rip. Here we go. Let's start off with the very first question I got when I announced it on the air at the end of the show on the Wednesday midday show. I said, I'm going to start answering questions Let's go. And the first question came from John Johnson, who tweets, I was a wrestling fan when I was a kid. I feel it was more about the wrestling than the story. Do you think 1985 to 1991 wrestling was better or worse than today? And why? How about that? A wrestling question to kick it off. So here's what's complicated about this. If you go back and watch it now, which you can on the network, 
most of the matches do not hold up. And let's be honest. I mean, there are a handful of really good wrestling matches, but a lot of the results ended in countouts. A lot of the results ended in schmas finishes with disqualifications. So I think at the time it was really good because that's all we knew. But I think a, a majority of what happened between 85 and 1991 does not hold up all that well when you look back on it. This is from Danny Thomas. Danny writes, do you think that you and John Jastrzemski will be together once Joe decides to retire? That sounds very romantic. Are we going to be together? I have absolutely no idea. I like JJ. I enjoy doing shows with him. But my plan is to make sure Joe never retires. That's my plot. Um, will I be able to pull it off? I'm not confident. But I have said that openly to Joe that why not keep working for the rest of your life? Tony tweets, I want to I take out compliments because I, I don't want to read compliments. It feels egotistical. If someone says something negative, I'll read that. <laughs> but Because the guy starts with great show. I don't want to read that. So that'll be the last time I read any compliment. I'm just going to gloss over it. Quick question, bit of a long answer. What do you do next year with the Mets if you're Brody Van Wagenen with everything from Marcus Stroman to center field? Thanks, man. Oh, I think he means from everything to Marcus Stroman and also center field. What I would do and what they would do are very different questions. I still want to see the Mets spend like a big market team. So to me, the idea of going after Anthony Rendon seems pretty damn appealing. But it's also something they would never do. The truth is, and this is a good sign for where the Mets are, I don't want to think about next year because there is still a season going on. Uh, Don Sheridan tweets, favorite president and why? It is an easy answer. My favorite president is Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln is a, a lot of people's favorite president. And I think there's good reason for it. He was a great leader. He had to serve during a time that I don't think we'll ever see again. You know, we always hear America has never been this divided. You've heard that sentence a lot recently. You probably heard it during the Iraq War, and I'm sure many of our older listeners heard that during Vietnam. The truth is, uh, no, it wasn't, because it was literally divided. So my favorite president is Abraham Lincoln. I also think learning about him and the human being that he was and his failures early on and when he first got to Congress and his work away from politics and his work in battling for a Senate seat in 1858 all the way to his presidency and how he got the 13th, 13th Amendment passed is completely fascinating. Uh, Mike writes, why are you so against the DH? So here's the thing. I'm against the DH coming to my league. I am not against the DH in the American League. I want to make that very clear. And I think a part of that is I like the natural beauty of the pitcher hitting. I like the excitement of a pitcher that's never been a good hitter getting a big hit. I like the strategy behind it, when to take a pitcher out of the game. In the American League, you take a pitcher out of the game when they're done. That's it. It's simple. In baseball, you've got to factor in, well, I'm down by a run. It's the seventh inning. What do I do here? So it's not... It shouldn't be, I'm against the DH, I want to get rid of it in the American League. I do not. I think it's fine in the American League. I just don't want it in the National League. Hot Bat 97 tweets, oh, this is, I like this. In your opinion, <laughs> this is why we did a mailbag for questions like this. What was the most significant 90210 episode? Also, who is your favorite character and why? <laughs> All right. Most significant episode Boy, 
probably Dylan's dad dying. And I know they brought him back a few seasons later, which was one of the biggest mistakes in 90210 history. But I think the episodes following his death, it was emotional. It was tough. I mean, especially getting to see Dylan and David bond over that. Because remember, David lost his best friend, which we also saw early on in 90210 when the, when the kid shot himself. So significance tough because it really depends on what you define as significant. But I think that that incident with his dad supposedly dying defined the Dylan McKay character in such a big way. So I'm going to go with that as the most significant episode. And my favorite character, (laughs) my favorite character was Brandon. And you know why it was Brandon? Because I wanted to be Brandon. Simple as that. From the sports gambling that he got addicted to. (laughs) (laughs) to being like good at everything. He was a good athlete, good looking dude, got the women. I mean, Brandon was the man. So I wanted to be Brandon. That's my answer. Uh, Joe Knipe tweets, the dark Knipe, what second team of a city, Nets, Clippers, Devils, Islanders, Mets, White Sox, Chargers, etc., would you say is the most successful on the field and off the field? Well, I, I mean, on the field and off the field. Well, on the field means like championships and winning. So that answer would, would have to be the New Jersey Devils. The Devils had a great run in the Lou Lamarillo era. So if we're talking about off the field or on the field success, it has to be the Devils. And off the field is probably the Mets because of all those teams you mentioned, the Nets, the Clippers, even the Devils and Islanders, the White Sox and the Chargers now in L.A., I think the Mets are more popular than all of those other teams. They are more of a national brand, if you will. I mean, when the Mets play on the road, they have fans. So I think they've got a bigger fan base than those other teams. But I'd say based on success, it would have to be the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Tom Guranali writes, who would win in a fight, Greg Giannotti or Chris Carlin? Um, I'd have to say Carlin just based on... The height advantage that he has, the size advantage that he has, I assume he's powerful. G's lost a lot of weight. I don't know if he fought that much. I learned recently that G was very goth in high school, so I don't think he was much of a fighter. So I think if those two ever engaged in a real fight, I would give the edge to Chris Carlin. Uh, Chris Baldassano writes, well, what the hell is this? He wrote a freaking math equation. Give me a break. I'm not answering that. Efrain Velasquez writes, diehard Met fan here, but I do have a Met question. It should take approximately 90 wins to clinch a playoff berth in the National League. If the Mets win 90 games but don't make the playoffs, is the season still a success? I think that 90 would definitely get them in, number one. But if somehow they got to 90 and didn't make the playoffs, I think the, the real way to answer that is how the season ended. We forget that sometimes. It's like when we talk about a football season and we talk right now about how many wins the Jets are going to have, how many wins the Giants are going to have. A lot of it depends on how you get there. So if the Mets have won 90 games and there's three games to go in the season and they lose the final three and miss the playoffs, it's a disaster. If they win 90 by winning their final eight in a row and they just don't get the proper help down the stretch and miss the playoffs, it's also very different. So look, 90 wins is a very good year. I'll be the first to admit it. The odds are I'd be happy with a 90-win year and say, hey, that's just bad luck that they didn't make the postseason in this double wildcard era. But I think that would get them in. But a lot of it's dependent on what happens. Oh, Tom's trying to ask a second question. How should I do this when people try to double up? 
Well, I'll just say it, and then after this, I won't do doubles. Tom asks again, "Would you rather? Who would you rather win the MVP, Pete Alonso or Sam Darnold?" Um, Pete Alonso has no chance to win the MVP, so I'm going to go with Sam Darnold. Stephen Ross writes, "Marlins 519." Hi, Evan. I'm a big Marlins fan from New York. Would you going to a Mets Marlins game with next month? <laughs> I I think Stephen is asking me out, and the nice answer to that is um, no. No, thank you. But it was. But I'm sure if I saw you there, I'd be very nice. Uh, King of New York writes, Why do all Met fans complain about their bullpen and depth? Yet when given the chance at the trade deadline to trade with the Yankees, they have an abundance of both, refuse to deal with them unless Glaber Torres was involved. Well, because you don't trade a top starting pitcher for bullpen and depth. I mean, it's not like you were asking for something minor. You weren't asking for Jason Vargas. I don't, I don't understand it. You were asking for Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard. I'm not trading Jacob DeGrom and Noah Syndergaard for bullpen and depth. I apologize. Max Lax 41 tweets, A few years ago, you had a Saturday show where the phones didn't work, so you just answered Twitter questions for 20 minutes on air. Can you make answering Twitter questions whatever is relevant that day week with the local teams a weekly segment on air? It's not a bad idea. I don't mind that. Uh, B. Jenko writes, I'm a loser. Yeah, it's not a question, but that's fair. Joe DeNorcia writes, what's your thoughts on Joseph Sy buying the rest of the shares of the Nets and being the sole owner? Well, look, I'm good with it now. I mean, I, I was thinking about this today when I heard the news or last night when I heard the news. And Mikhail Prokhorov really turned out to be a great owner for the Nets, despite the negatives as far as pressuring Billy King to make that Celtic trade, pressuring the Nets to do drastic things to try to win quickly, and it obviously failed. And the reason I say he turned out to be a great owner and a significant owner is that I don't think they're in Brooklyn without him. I don't think they build Barkley Center without him. And here's the thing. If they don't build Barkley Center in Brooklyn and they're stuck in Newark, I also think there's a chance that Bruce Ratner sells them to an owner that moves them. And so I hate to be dramatic. I hate to do that, but it's true. If it wasn't for Mikhail Prokhorov buying the Nets, they could be in Seattle right now. They may not exist right now. Forget about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. They may not freaking exist. Peter uh, Rokos writes, how much is one title worth if it costs a prospect that turned out to be great? Ten years ago, the Yankees, maybe, could have traded Jesus Montero and other prospects for Cliff Lee. I think Cliff Lee would have won them the title. If Montero is a 10-time All-Star, was it worth it? Well, you're asking me, as a Met fan, as a Net fan, as an Islander fan, as a Jet fan, that hasn't won crap. Zero championships. So to me, I would trade a Hall of Famer if it meant winning a title. I mean, how can I not? But you use the Yankees as an example, and I think the Yankees have a very different bar. And so I think it's different. So when you ask me that question, at this point, I'd give up anything to win a title. G. Steve writes, hey, Evan, have a question about Anthony Rendon. Should the Nationals keep him? If not, should the Mets or Yankees go after him? And finally, what's your prediction of where Anthony Rendon ends up? The Nationals have to sign Anthony Rendon. I mean, they just let Bryce Harper walk away. Rendon is another homegrown star. He's a legitimate force offensively. 
I, I know he's probably going to ask for crazy stuff. I know he's going to ask for a 10-year deal or something absurd, but I really think they should sign him. Uh, for the Yankees right now, I mean, look, he's a great hitter, but you've got issues at third base, and the good kind of issues, not the bad kind of issues, with the emergence of Gio Urshela and the fact that Miguel Andujar may come back and the fact that LeMahieu could play third base. So I don't think that's the money. I don't think that's where the Yankees spend money. For the Mets, of course, I love them. But I, I think he ends up re-signing with the Washington Nationals. Damned Llama writes, Would you rather the Mets have 15 games left in the regular season with the Mets only playing teams ahead of them, or would you think playing 40-plus more increases playoff chances? I have no idea what that means. I am very confused by that question, but thank you. DJW writes, who is your pick to face the Mink Men in the Fan Baseball League Championship? Follow-up question, are you and Dennis has a podcast broadcasting it live again? Uh, Yeah, so the Mink Men have advanced to the Fan Baseball Championship game. They will play um, either the Bros, who will take on the Mongos. The winner of that takes on the Schmoozers. And then the winner faces the Mink Men. If the bros aren't in it, because I'm on the bros, we will broadcast it live on Periscope yet again. So people get to watch that game. My prediction is the bros. I'm on the bros. How can I not say the bros? Shark Fun tweets, if the Mets make the postseason, does that wash the long-term stink off the bad Cano trade and the choices of Jed Lowry and Jairus Familia over DJ LeMahieu and Adam Adovino? Probably not. I think winning a championship may do that. But I don't think simply making the postseason makes you look at a move that was bad and say, oh, yeah, that was really good. No, that was really smart. That was the right thing to do. So, no, it would not. Anthony, also known as Pa PS 115 writes, fantasy football question. I have the second pick overall. It's a full-point PPR league. Who would you take? Well, to me... The top two guys I'm looking at are Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara. So whichever guy is not picked would probably be my guy at number two. Now, as a Jet fan, I've been toying with the idea of, hey, I got to take Le'Veon Bell because I'm a Jet fan, and I want to have a guy like that on my fantasy team and my real-life team. But if you're asking me to be intellectually honest, those are the top two guys on my draft board. Damon Serrata writes, question for the podcast. Just need your expert advice on fantasy. First of all, as Beningo would say, we are not an expert on anything but pain, bro. The two best wide receivers and the two best tight ends this year. Last year's draft was a mess on my end. Also, uh, Anthony, Anthony, Antonio Brown prediction, he's going to be a world champion in three years, but not for the NFL, for the WWE. (laughs) Well, that would not surprise me. I'll tell you that right now. That would not surprise me. My two, my two wide receivers are uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams. Again, I know that's not going out on a limb. Odell staying healthy scares me. Juju Schuster-Smith's become a star, but I wouldn't put him above those guys. Uh, Tyreek Hill I worry about. Michael Thomas is a beast. I'd consider him up there, but to me it's DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones. Travis Kelsey's clearly the number one tight end. Number two Look, right now, I think based on last year, you probably say George Kittle. I love Evan Ingram and O.J. Howard as having huge monster years, but Travis Kelsey obviously is the clear one. Uh, Let's see. Henry Lenz writes, 
Hi, long-time listener now living in L.A. Mets fan since 1962. Audio engineer for CBS Radio 72 to 2012. Wow. Mixed Joe Buck's great call of Kirk Gibson's 88 World Series home run and kept us on the air during the Candlestick 89 earthquake. Wow. I was holding... I was in the Mets dugout holding the CBS post-game interview mic when Mookie's grounder went through Buckner's legs. Wow. Uh, love your knowledge. No, I don't like compliments, so I'm going to skip that part. Would you please wish me a happy 69th birthday today on your Instant Reaction podcast? <laughs> Henry, great resume. Happy 69th birthday. I'm happy to you. Rich Merg writes, how do the Mets justify keeping Aaron Altair on the roster? I don't know. He stinks. AJ writes, are you Irish? I am not. Chris Wade writes, do you think the Clintons killed Epstein? (laughs) I do not think the Clintons killed Epstein, number one. Number two, I mean, let's all face it. I'm no big conspiracy guy, but the idea that he just killed himself is very difficult to believe. So I think we all agree there's something skeptical or something, you know, kind of fishy about it. But no, I'm not a believer. I've never been a fan. I'll talk about my politics. I don't give a damn. I've never been a fan of the Clintons. I've made that clear. But I do not think they have a Clinton kill list, okay? (laughs) So I'm critical of them, but not that far. Uh, Richard writes, do you think AEW will impact the WWE? Yeah. I think it already has. I think they realize that their product is different. And their product is going to appeal to wrestling fans that may be tuning out the WWE or may say, hey, I don't like the WWE as much. And I I think already we're starting to see that impact. And based on their success, I think you may see more of a change. Look, ECW impacted the WWE back in the 90s. While they didn't compete head-to-head ratings or anything like that, they clearly changed that product. Joe Talamo writes... Do you think it will be a good idea for the Yankees to sign Zach Wheeler this offseason, preferably with Garrett Cole as well? I don't think they'll sign both. When you look at the amount of guys still contracted on this roster, Severino coming back, the emergence of Herman, Jay Happ still going to be around, Tanaka's still around. I think they sign one. The one, though, needs to be Garrett Cole. Huday tweets, are you going to do a weekly fantasy football podcast? That is not the plan, but what we did last year on Saturdays, which was fun, is we had a, a weekly fantasy football spot. So it wasn't a full podcast. It was, you know, a 15-minute interview to get you set for that week in the NFL. I thought it was a lot of fun, and so I think we're going to do that again. Alex Gonzalez writes, when is your top 50 all-time wrestlers podcast happening? I'm sure something like that will happen. I like to do, besides, you know, the instant reactions to the pay-per-views and whatnot or previews, I'm a big fan of the retrospectives. And so we've done a lot of them for classic pay-per-views. There is some in the works about the history of wrestling. So I'm sure there'll be a, you know, favorite wrestler of all time podcast coming. MacMan tweets, do you fear that Sean Marks will be recruited by another team in the future? Absolutely. Absolutely. What is so important right now for Joseph Tsai is to keep him happy. They gave him a contract extension a little less than a year ago. I think he's got complete authority of that franchise. Complete. I really do. I think he can do whatever the hell he wants. And so I think that's going to make it tough to get him to leave because I don't know if a lot of franchises would do that. But of course, whenever you have a successful GM or coach, you fear someone else is going to try to get them. Jack tweets, why does the Mets 10-day IL always turn into the 100-day IL? Here's the thing. It really hasn't been the case. 
I, I know that we have the Jed Lowry situation, Yoannis Cespedes. I know there's examples of that. Brandon Nimmo. But it feels, especially with the news about Jeff McNeil, that a lot of the injury news hasn't turned out to be as bad as we first feared. Brian G. writes, what are your thoughts on the Islanders' new arena finally getting a shovel into the ground in a few weeks? I think it's great news. Uh, while ideally there would have been a new, new Coliseum where the Coliseum currently is that was suitable for an NHL franchise, this is better than Brooklyn. And it's also better than moving to Canada. So I'm very excited about the new arena. I'm not sure we need it in this marketplace, but just squarely from a hockey perspective, I think it's great for the Islanders. Great. B. Dilly tweets, if you could compare, I don't even know how long I'm going, by the way. I may just keep going until I'm out of questions. I don't know how many more I'm missing, but this is fun. It's easy, too. If you could compare America's top sports branch fr- franchises to professional wrestlers, who would each be and why? What wrestler would the Yankees be, the Mets be, the Patriots be, the Cowboys, etc.? Well, I don't know how many teams I'm going to do this with, but with the Yankees, I would say John Cena because they never lose. You know what, though? It should probably be somebody earlier because the Yankees have been around forever. All right, with the Yankees, I'm going to say Bruno Sammartino. Bruno Sammartino held the title for six years. The Yankees had numerous dynasties. I'll say the Mets are Mick Foley in that they're lovable. You sort of feel bad for them, and they have won a championship, but yeah. I'd say the Patriots are Triple H. Because at first you said, this franchise isn't all that good. And then all of a sudden, it just, it never loses. And I'd say the Cowboys are, hmm, Cowboys have to be somebody very overrated. It's all flash, but doesn't actually do anything. Hmm. Who would that be? All flash, but doesn't really win anything. But you maybe used to win something. Nah, I was thinking of something. That's not fair. I was going to say Shawn Michaels, but that's not right. Shawn's an all-time great. The reason I was going to say Shawn is because when he came back, he had one world title, and that was it. But he was good, kind of like the Cowboys. All right, I'm going to go with Shawn Michaels. I'm going with that. Michael Knight tweets, when you and Joe were first paired together, did you think it would be as successful as it has been? So your question is, do you, did you think that 13 years later you would still have a job? No, I did not. So, no, I didn't see it. Uh, Manning Face God tweets, will the Mets hire Giambi as the manager next year? <laughs> you know what's funny about that? I bet you he'd be a candidate if the Mets indeed, you know, fire their manager, which is also possible. Uh, Brian writes, when Joe B retires, will you have any say who will replace him or what time slot you end up in? Probably not. <laughs> I think the answer to that is probably not. I don't know, though. I mean, I've been with Joe for how many years now? 13 years? 2007 was our first show. Uh, I I would think that our boss, if Joe ever retired, would ask me my opinion, but probably not listen. I honestly have no idea. Nick Titano tweets, is Edwin Diaz the pitching version of Dave Kingman? You either get a strikeout or a home run. Nick, ask yourself this. Isn't that baseball today? Everybody is like that. Home run, strikeout, home run, strikeout. Michael Becker tweets, how do you get from WFAN Studios to City Field so fast? What's your transportation strategy for the day? All right, here we go. Let's break this down. 
We are located in lower Manhattan. I used to do the train thing. Now, the problem with the train thing is there's a lot of people, and there's a long walk from the train to the stadium once you get there. So I, I don't like that. I like the air conditioning. I like being in my own car. So first of all, I pay for a meter. And why I do that is because there's a meter right in front of the building. So I can instantly be in my car. That's step number one. You got to get in your car very, very quickly. Number two, I take the FDR. First thing I do is I turn back. I guess it doesn't start as the FDR. You're, you're on the west side and you go south and you go past Battery Park. And then you come up the FDR. And then you get in the Queens Midtown Tunnel and shoot straight through the LIE, right onto the Grand Central and come around. One thing that helps me, I admit, is I have a parking pass. And that helps. Because if I had to then look for parking, that would be a problem. That would be very, very difficult. Joseph tweets, when, do, when Dom Smith comes back, does Todd Frazier go to the bench? It all depends on what Todd Frazier is doing at that moment. Is Jeff McNeil healthy? What is Juan Lagares doing at the moment? What is J.D. Davis doing at the moment? So it's like I, oh, I always say this to Yankee fans. What happens when this guy comes back? Let me see what the team looks like when this guy comes back. Uh, G. Stash writes, top five wrestlers of all time. Kurt Angle. Um, Shawn Michaels. Uh, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels. I mean, I loved Hogan as a kid. I love the... It's, it's very cheesy because it is Austin and The Rock, too. I mean, those guys were just so incredible. So Austin, Rock, Angle, Michaels, and I'll throw Hogan in there. It, it's a cheesy list, but, I mean, it's the God's honest truth. Those guys were the best. Dr. Lavecar writes, will Joe ever learn how to pronounce Quinnen? <laughs> That's pretty good. What, what is funny about that is Kim Jones came on with us. And Kim is so good. And Kim says, hey, before we get started, Joe, can you repeat after me? Quinnen. And Joe said, do I pronounce it wrong? And Kim's like, yes, yes, it's Quinnen. And Joe repeated it and still calls him Quinn. And now, I can't, look, how many names do I mispronounce? I mean, Sweeney was giving me crap recently that I called Gio Urshela, Gio Urshela. So we all do it. But I don't think he's ever going to not call him Kinnett. What does he call him again? Cunin. No, uh, Quinton. I forget what he called. I can't even remember what he calls him. But it's not Quinnen. Uh, Joey Amazing tweets, when do you see these Jeff McNeil-less Mets going back under 500? Jeez, man, I hope not. I mean, they do have the Kansas City Royals coming up this weekend. If they go back under 500 again, they're dead. Donald tweets, do you plan on doing a podcast before the Jets and Giants play each other this season? Here's the reason why I do a lot less, really ever, football instant reaction podcasts. It's very simple. A part of why I like doing these podcasts is when I can come on and basically do a mini show on something I'll never get to talk about on the air. So when the Mets played that crazy Friday night game against the Nationals, it's a Friday. I wasn't doing a Saturday show. I'm not on Sunday. I'm not on until Monday. By the time we get on Monday, we're not really talking that much about the Friday game, and I'm certainly not giving that kind of instant reaction. So I like to take advantage of talking about things I won't normally get to talk about on the air. Now, sometimes I'll do an instant reaction on a Tuesday night. I'll admit it. So sometimes I'll kind of break that rule. But for the most part, I do want to save it for 
the show I do with Joe. And that's why with football, I haven't done it as often. I was actually going to do one after the Jets Saturday night game last year, and I had an equipment malfunction. Garth Snow fan tweets, right? Garth Snow fan tweets, what happened between you and Mongo goes insane? Leslie and Fort Lee. I liked Leslie for a while. He just, he became too crazy and too vicious. Not with me, but with just everybody. But I liked him for a while. He seemed like an innocent guy. Um, And then the shtick got too much. But I wish him the best. But he's gotten just, he's 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 gotten way too far in many aspects. But I do wish him the best. Dustin tweets, Dustin Sweetelson. Is that the guy who produces my boy Patrick on Sirius? The rap? I think it's the same guy. What's your favorite kind of cheese? That's the question you come up with, Dustin. What's my favorite kind of cheese? Very easy. Big fan of mozzarella. Murray Andrews tweets, in all seriousness, can anyone beat Town Fair Tire? I think the obvious answer to that is nobody. Michael Lee tweets, imagine you have no one signed going into 2021 free agency. How many Antetokounmpo brothers are you willing to sign to a max contract if it means Giannis is coming with? (laughs) That's good. That's creative, Michael. Uh, As many as humanly possible would be the answer to that. To get Giannis there, as many as humanly possible. Daniel Sonona writes, bring Matt Harvey back as the closer. Guaranteed he would thrive in that role. Guy always was a competitor and wouldn't have to face a batting order more than once. What makes you think he would succeed in that role? The Mets used him out of the bullpen before they got rid of him, and he was terrible. Dr. Bitcoin tweets, any plans in the future to have a contest for the listeners to join any of the WF and fantasy leagues for a season? I definitely like the idea of doing a WFAN fan fantasy league. I like that idea. Now, we have to go make it happen, but I definitely like the idea. Brian tweets, if you were Vince McMahon, who would be your guy? Finn Balor. I think Finn Balor could be a superstar. I, I, I think he can be elite if they give him a shot and if they use him the right way. So if I was Vince, Finn Balor would be my guy. JN Metz tweets, You and Joe have been great together, but it seems as though he has one foot out of the door. Do you want a solo show, or would you rather have a new partner? Um, I'd rather have Joe. I'd rather him never retire. But in my opinion, for a weekday show, if it is 10 to 1 or 2 to 6.30 or 1 to 3, whatever it is, I do think a team show works better. I do like that better. I enjoy doing the show on Saturday. I do. But... I would definitely say if Joe decided to retire and I can't talk him out of it, that there should be another person as opposed to me doing it by myself. Uh, Grant tweets with Jeff McNeil out 10 days, at least 10 days, and given the flat performance last night, and by last night he means Tuesday, depending on what you're listening, do you actually think this run is sustainable and that the Mets will get a wild card spot? Why or why not? The run isn't sustainable because they're going to lose games. I mean, they weren't going to win 15 out of 16. So, no, that's not sustainable. No idea. No question that's not sustainable. Can they survive the next two and a half weeks? I think they can. I think the key is going to be win a game in Atlanta, take all three in Kansas City. You do that, you'll win four and two on this road trip. And then you go home, you've got a tricky matchup with Cleveland, Atlanta again. I think you just need to survive it. But 
to think that they were going to sustain that run, that was never going to happen. Michael Jenkins tweets, I want to thank you for singing along with your jingle at noon because I do. You had stopped doing it for a while. Thanks. Hashtag noon 04. Okay. You're welcome. (laughs) Brian Smith tweets, all the teams around MLB seem to have all-star position players and okay pitching. Do you think the meta, I think he means Mets, do you think the Mets will ever go the other way and start developing position players instead of pitching? Pitching can only win so many games. Alonzo and McNeil have been great. Well, let me ask you a question. Who's the best team in baseball? The answer is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Their starting pitching staff is Clayton Kershaw, Hinjin Ryu, Walker Bueller. I mean, they have an awesome starting pitching staff. The Houston Astros, who right now are just as good as the Yankees. Take your pick. Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Miley's had a great year. The Red Sox are scoring more runs this year than last year. What's the difference? The difference is starting pitching. So I'm sorry. What do you want me to tell you? It still matters. Johnny, because something writes, who's on your Mount Rushmore of Met players and wrestlers? Are we separating them or is it one Mount Rushmore? I'll separate them. The Mount Rushmore of Mets would have to be Tom Seaver. And I'm just going to do players. I'm going to leave out Gil, Gil Hodges. I'm going to leave out Shea, William A. Shea. I'm just going to go with players. It would be Tom Seaver, Mike Piazza, David Wright. Boy, the fourth one's tough because you want to represent the 86 Mets. And the thing about the 86 Mets is there really isn't one guy. I mean, Gary Carter's the Hall of Famer. Keith Hernandez was the real leader. Daryl and Doc with the talents. Boy, oh boy. I'm going to go with Daryl. I'm going to go with Daryl because he, he probably has more significant team records or is closer to the leaderboard in team records. Look at home runs. Uh, so I'll go with Daryl. I'll go with Seaver, David, Piazza, Daryl, and hopefully we'll be able to add Jacob DeGrom to that. Stephanie Sweet tweets, when you draft in your fantasy football league, who do you go with after your first pick? Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or other? It all depends on what's out there. I mean, if I look back at all of my drafts, I think I've done it differently every single time because I I don't try to play by the same rules. Obviously, I'm going to end up with a running back with one of my first two picks. I mean, you leave yourself too naked if if you do that. It's usually not a quarterback. I think I've gone away from that for the most part. But it really depends what wide receiver, what, you know, core, uh, what running back, and potentially Travis Kelsey, because I actually grabbed him at the back end of the, I had the number one overall pick, and I think I got Gurley and then Kelsey with one of my picks on the other way back. Leadman87 writes, your take on the future of the Republican Party after Donald Trump. I think the Republican Party is going to try to make believe they never liked Donald Trump after Donald Trump is gone. That's my prediction. Now, in fairness, I never thought that Donald Trump was going to win the, win the Republican primary. So what the hell do I know? But it's a great question because it could end in six years from now or it could end in a couple of years from now. But my impression I get, if I had to pick, is that they'll run very, very far away from him. But we'll see. Uh, Johnny writes, do you think if Alonzo hits 50 home runs this year, he'll ever hit 50 again? It's a great question. I think it's a question Yankee fans are thinking about with Aaron Judge right now based on his health. So I don't know. 
it's tough, man. Hitting 50 home runs isn't easy, even in an era like this, because you do have to stay healthy, and that's been the biggest thing that's hurt Aaron Judge. Uh, Scrum Tenacious tweets, what's your favorite restaurant in Westchester? There's a Mexican place called, what the heck is it called? Oh, my God. Uh, if my wife was here, I'd ask her. There's a Mexican place, and I really like it. It's not called Mole. That's the one in Brooklyn. No, it's not Mole. Oh, man. If she comes up in the middle of the podcast, I'll ask her, but I'm not sure. Ed writes, here's a question. Why do you have a podcast when you're already on the radio for 20 hours per week? (laughs) Well, the reason, Eric, is because I get to talk about other things and do other things. That's why... I try not to do the same stuff. I mentioned earlier with the instant reactions, I try to do it for a game that I'm probably not going to have a lot of time to talk about because the game was on a Friday and it's a Monday. The wrestling, obviously, I'm not going to go in depth on wrestling on our show. So it's more scratching an itch or going deeper on geeky things that I wouldn't necessarily do on the radio. But thanks for the question, Eric. Eric probably never listens to the podcast. He's probably like, why does this douche have a podcast? Metcaster, a.k.a. Kramer, tweets, what's the worst NBA, NFL, or MLB stadium arena you've ever been to? Boy, that's a good question. There's so many of them. Uh, I thought that RFK in Washington, D.C. was probably the worst. When I went there for the very first time, it was the Nationals-Mets exhibition game, the return to Washington in March of 2005. It was an exhibition game, first game back in D.C. There were broken seats. It was just a mess. I went back since, but it, it, it was better, so they clearly weren't ready, but it was it was not good. I'd put that number one. Mike D. from Connecticut tweets, would you consider expanding to 32 MLB teams to eliminate everyday interleague? If so, two divisions of eight teams in each league makes the most sense. The biggest problem I see with 32 MLB teams is where are you expanding? Where, what cities deserve major league teams that don't have it? New Orleans? Portland? Norfolk, Vegas, none of them really jump out at me. Montreal probably is the one that jumps out at me. They deserve a second shot. But when you've got a sport that is struggling in certain cities, like they're struggling in Miami, they're struggling in Tampa, they're struggling in Oakland, that's my biggest issue with expanding. Troy tweets, how often do you and Joe B talk outside of the studio office? I'd imagine he's not easy to get in touch with. (laughs) Well, He's got a flip phone and has no reception in his home. I'd say once in a while. I mean, we see each other every day. So if there's something that we want to talk about, usually we can do it while we're there. But um, it depends on the situation. Depends on what's going on. John Leibowitz tweets, do you think college football or basketball can ever become big in New York City? I think it can become big in terms that You know, people watch it and it gets ratings. But to me, New York is a professional sports town and we live and die with our teams. And even though, you know, you've got St. John's basketball and you may have Rutgers football or Syracuse, I don't think we all universally or at least split between two teams 
all are passionate about it. There's a lot of, hey, I went to this school, so I'm passionate about this school. I mean, you look at a guy like JJ, who I worked with, he went to Syracuse, so he's going to be passionate about that. So I think, it would be, I think it'll be popular in terms of people watching, but as far as you know, getting huge ratings and being the, the, the passion that we have for the Knicks or the Mets or the Giants, I don't see it. Steven Florvial tweets, why do Net fans still have an inferiority complex after signing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? Because we're the because we're the Nets. Because we're the Nets. Because we know there are more Nick fans than Net fans. Because we're told how inferior we are by Nick fans all the time. So I think our inferiority complex is based on reality. I think it's also based on being told the same things over and over and over again. It's a tough one to overcome. And look, think about the Mets. The Mets have more fans than the Brooklyn Nets do. The Mets have been more viable in this town longer than the Nets do. Yet, Met fans will walk out of City Field after a big win and chant Yankees suck. So they have the same thing. So I think all of us, in a way, all of the, the second teams in town, in different ways, have that same inferiority complex. All right, I'm done. I'm tired. How long did how long was this? Was this 45 minutes? Was it less than that? I don't even know. But it was a fun time. I enjoyed it. So uh, maybe we'll do it another time. But I do want to thank the man who came up with this idea. The man who said you should do a mailbag. It'll be fun. Scott and Jamesburg. I feel bad because Scott said he was sending me questions. I don't know if I ever read a Scott and Jamesburg question. <laughs> so maybe the next time. But I do appreciate you listening and participating in the first ever Scott and Jamesburg presents Evan Roberts podcast mailbag. Next week, we'll do a podcast all about 90210. <laughs> that should get a ton of downloads. Our fantasy football preview podcast will be debuting on August 28th. Our NFL prediction podcast will come out on September 4th. Thank you very much for listening to this mailbag edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. <laughs>